We're going to look at verse 35. Let me just give you a brief idea of what's going on in Mark chapter 1. It is a busy, busy uh, chapter. You have the call of the four fishermen in verse 16. Uh, You have a man possessed with demons healed in verse 21. Uh, Simon's mother is healed in verse 29. You You keep hearing these words immediately and forthwith and uh, then they did. So what's happening is things are happening rapidly. This is a busy, busy life and a busy, busy day uh, in the life of the Lord. And verse 32, and at even uh, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city were gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Right. So <clears throat> you can imagine uh, this is late into the night now, uh, when they're finished work, when they're finished all the healing and all, the, all, all that's going on. And in verse 35, it says this, just simply, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. After all that, after all that busyness, in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Now, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we see the perfect example of everything that we're supposed to be. That's not the prime reason why he came. He came to die and to save us. But he does provide us with an example. And when we look at this passage and we see all that was on him and all that was uh, dragging out of him at this time, uh, it's incredible that early the next day he should be up and he should be praying. Now, his prayer life obviously was somewhat different than ours. His communion was a whole lot closer. And I, I, I mean, I would love to hear him pray. I would love to hear what goes on. There's three boys down there, and we need to move them, folks, because they're going to cause uh, somewhat of a distraction during the service here. So let's deal with that before we start, okay? Thank you, Wendy. Uh, but the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, his uh, prayer life would have been completely different to ours. It would have, uh, he would have focused in a completely different way. Uh, than we would, he would have spent his time <clears throat> in communion with the Lord uh, in a different way. And, and had we heard him as the disciples did, the, the disciples hear him praying on one occasion, and immediately their response is, Lord, teach us to pray. Not that they hadn't prayed, not that they hadn't spent time praying before then, but uh, immediately they, 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 they want him to teach them to pray. And, you know, <clears throat> we need to look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and find encouragement in it as far as prayer is concerned. Now, I don't for a moment think that the Lord Jesus Christ set his alarm and dragged himself out of bed and said, oh, I suppose i got to go pray. I'd much sooner be in bed. I think there was something going on between him and the Father that was making him get out of bed. I think his body was as physically tired as yours and mine would be. But there was something going on between him and the Father that was making him that was drawing him, that was compelling him. And I I think this. I think that we're often inclined uh, to make a rule of something and in the rule, lose the joy. See, spending time with the Lord is not something that's a chore or that's hard or or that's something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. It's a relationship. And I think that what happens for us is we very often miss out on the wonders 
of that relationship. Later this week, we're going to have a 24-hour prayer chain, and uh, the sheets are on the back there. We're going to get them filled out, and we're, <clears throat> we're going to spend time praying for lost loved ones. And, <clears throat> you know, today I want, to, I want us to think about prayer and look at prayer so that we don't come to the end of the week thinking, oh, here we go again. We've got to pray. It's not like that. It's never like that. Only when something's amiss for us is it like that. Now, I, I submit to you that sometimes getting to the place of prayer is the hardest thing in the world. The opposition is that great. You know? <clears throat> and, um, but when you get there, when you come into the presence of your Father, you know what? It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's sweet. It shouldn't be any surprise to us, though, that it can be hard to get there. Because remember... The enemy is against everything that God would use to help us, to bless us, and to reach people with the gospel. And prayer is one of the key things. Prayer is one of those key things that if we don't, um, uh, if we're not in the place of prayer, it's not happening. You know, you look at the history of any church, this church or any church. When the church is praying, exciting things are happening. And when the church is not praying, they're not happening. And it's not because, you know, listen, we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we need to get it going. What happens is the opposition gets over us and begins to push us down and we begin to lose what we're doing as far as prayer is concerned. And from time to time, we need to kind of check ourselves. And we need to come back into the sweetness of prayer. The sweetest place in the world today, or one of the sweetest places, is in a prayer meeting where the Holy Spirit is. That's one of the sweetest places in the whole world today. When the Holy Spirit's there, I mean, it's not long, it doesn't drag, it's just, it's, it's a precious place to be. You see, time spent with him is a precious time and it's a precious place to be. And that's what we need, we need to be that people of prayer. Let's have a word of prayer, though, before we start this morning. Father in heaven, would you bless us this morning? Lord, would you bless me as I speak to your dear people? And Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you uh, take the burden out of prayer for us and bring us into a place, Lord, where it's a joy? Uh, Lord, show us where we need to battle to get there, but blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you just bless in in these moments and uh, let your word ring true. May may you speak to hearts and, oh, Lord, lift our prayer meeting, uh, lift the prayer that we're going to spend time doing later this week, and, Lord, may it be powerful and may it be prayer that touches your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, You know, we look back in the great days of the church, and you read through the history books of the church, and, and you look at the great days, and, you know, you long for the great days. But you know what we often miss? We often miss the reality of prayer in those days. Uh, James Duncan, preaching with great unction and power, was asked, what was the secret of such powerful preaching? The secret, he said, was 13 hours of consecutive prayer. Now, listen, that was not 13 grueling hours where he was stuck in a little room all by himself and he had nothing else to do but pray. Because that doesn't happen. You don't stay for 13 hours doing that. That was hours in communion with his heavenly father. Um, Livingston of Schatz, uh, on two different occasions, preached with such power that in each service, 500 were converted. Both sermons were preceded by a night of prayer. Uh, When asked the secret of his spiritual power, Charles Spurgeon said, knee work, knee work. And you know, we can go and we can look anywhere we like, and what we're going to find is we're going to find that prayer is the key. Uh, Uh, this, let me read you this. Five young college students were spending a Sunday in London, so they went to hear the famed C.H. Spurgeon preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked, Gentlemen, let me show you around. 
Would you like to see the heating plant of this church? They were not particularly interested, for it was a hot July day. But they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they consented. The young men were taken down a stairway. A door was quietly opened, and the guide whispered, This is our heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. But what he was saying to them was, listen, here's the power for the church. He wasn't saying his preaching was the power for the church. He was saying the prayer meeting was the power for the church. Do 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 you know that's always true? That the power for a church always comes from the prayer meeting. It always comes from the praying people. Um, <clears throat> the key to, the, to, to seeing all that we want to see accomplished is not better mechanisms, it's you know, not better machinery, it's not better ways of doing it. The key to it all is prayer. And <clears throat> I really want to remove the burden because I think when, when, when we take it upon us as a burden, we end up losing the joy and the blessing of it. And I think without joy and blessing, I think prayer is really... Uh, not what it should be at all, and it's not going to be effective. But it's praying that brings the blessing of God in the church. You see, let's learn from Christ. First of all, Jesus prayed in the morning. Now, why pray in the morning? I mean, can't you pray anytime you like? Can't you pray uh, as you're going to sleep at night? Yeah, and it'll probably help you to get to sleep quicker. Uh, Isn't that what happens? You know, you lie there in your bed, uh, as you're going asleep with your Bible in your hand and you wake up about five in the morning uh, with the lights still on and your Bible lying on the bed covers and really your devotional time has, has not been much at all. We'll say well, we'll say, well, you wait till lunchtime to have your devotions. And I know some of you probably do, but you know, by the time lunchtime gets, your head is buzzing, isn't it? All the world is crowded in and all the thoughts are chasing around. And it's those sweet, precious hours early in the morning before you've communed with man that are precious to spend with God. C.S. Lewis said this, The moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And oftentimes what we do is we, we, we race through the day without really spending time with God. And, you know, we never get there. Somebody said that if you, if you run from God in the morning, you'll have a hard time catching up with him all day. And it's true, isn't it? It's hard for us to get back to that place. It's hard for us to get to the place where we, where we have that sweet life of God flowing in us, where we're enjoying that sweet presence when we miss it in the morning. You see, early in the morning is a great time to pray. Now, again, that's not the rule of the Bible. That's what Jesus did. And that's what I think we're going to find is best for us. Now, if it works differently for you, it works differently for you. But the idea of spending those opening hours with him. And he rose up a great while before the day. Now, the reason you say that you can't pray and uh, the, the excuse that we give is, well, we're so busy. But you know what? Jesus just debunked that for us. Because we couldn't be more busy than he was than what we've just read in, in, in Mark chapter 1. I mean, he, he, was, he was flying. He was healing. He was working. He was, you know, he was going late into the night. We couldn't be more busy than he was. Listen, the fact that he was drawn to prayer and we're not drawn to prayer is evidence of a relationship problem for us. It's evidence of, you know, listen, we're not enjoying the, the sweetness that's there. You see, because honey draws us. 
Vinegar doesn't draw many people, does it? Uh, they say you'll draw, you'll draw more bees with honey than you will with, with vinegar. Vinegar doesn't draw us, but honey does. And there is honey in the rock. There is a sweet relationship there with him. Now, the enemy will stand against you. The enemy will try and keep you from it. Sin uh, will keep you from it. Uh, all kinds of things will stand in your way as far as getting there is concerned. But there's honey in the rock. There, there, there is blessing there with him. Um, when our lives get busy, so often what gets squeezed out of our lives is prayer. George Mueller said this. He said, for more than half a century, I have never known one day when I had not more business than I could get through. For 40 years, I have annually about 30,000 letters, and most of these have passed through my own hands. I have nine assistants always at work corresponding in German, French, English, Danish, Italian, Russian, and other languages. Then as pastor of a church with 1,200 believers, great has been my care. I have a charge of five orphanages, also at my publishing depot, the... Uh, <clears throat> the printing and circulation of millions of tracts, books, and Bibles, but I have always made it a rule never to begin work till I've had a good season with God. You know what? We need to have a good season with God. Now, let's just talk about that phrase for a second. A good season with God. What does that mean to you? A good season with God. First of all, it's not speaking about a definite time. You can say, well, I've got to spend the first hour with God. I think spending the first hour with God is a good idea. But, you know, you can sit there with your Bible open, daydreaming for 55 minutes and spend five minutes reading a passage, can't you? It's not about you spending an hour with God. It's about you meeting with God. It's about you spending time with God in his presence. It's about you drawing close to him and hearing from him. It's about you actually communing with God. You know, folks, listen, to spend 13 hours going through your prayer list over and over and over and over again is enough to drive anybody demented. It really is. That's enough to take and drive you demented. I don't think anybody in their right minds uh, would be looking forward to doing that. To stay up all night praying, you know, when you're falling asleep, but you're kind of beating yourself and you're making yourself stay awake so that you can go through your prayer list over and over and over again. I think that's enough to drive you around the twist. But you know what? Many of you have talked way into the night with some good friend and looked at your watch and said, is it that time? And you haven't noticed because you were in communion with somebody. When we talk about this kind of prayer, what we're talking about is we're talking about communing with somebody. We're talking about a relationship. We're talking about us spending time with him. And what we need to do is, early in the morning, before the day begins, before all the thoughts that are wild animals, as Lewis said, uh, come charging in to devour us, we need to commune with him. And you know what happens? When you start the day in real communion with the Lord, you tend to spend the day in communion with him. You tend to spend the day that you go through the day and, you know, listen, it's like he's there with you and you're talking back and forth with him all through the day. And that's what it really means to spend time in prayer, to have a season with God. Real communion. And again, this is not a burden. This is not something you should feel guilty about. This is not something, you know, listen, you're going to beat yourself up over This is something you recognize, that's there, I want it. Lord, help me to get it. See, the Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. 
Do you think of all the, the, the 7 billion people that are in this world, uh, when God looks down and finds one person saying, Lord, I want more of you, do you think his attention doesn't get focused on that person? Do you think God can pass that by? Do you think God, when he sees you with a heart and a desire to know him better, um, that, that God just misses that? No, he doesn't. When you in your heart say, Lord, I want more of you. I want, I want to be closer to you. Lord, whatever it takes, whatever I have to get rid of, whatever I have to deal with, Lord, I want it because I want more of you. Listen, you just got God's attention there. You just got his attention. Listen, you may not be able to spend a season with God. You may not be able for this communion, but you know what? If you really want it, he'll lead you in it. He'll draw you in it. Don't let sin hinder you. Don't let the pressures of life hinder you. Spend that time with him. Next thing we notice, though, is that Jesus found a quiet place. If you're going to pray, you've got to find a place to be alone with God. You've got to find somewhere where it's just you and him. You know, you can sit in a room with somebody else and, uh, and they're talking back, to, back and forth to you while you're communing with God. And you know what? Uh, as much as it might be fun to commune with them, to talk with them, you know what? You're going to be distracted from your main purpose. And by the way, we, we need to watch that. That's a very practical issue for us. We need to watch that one that we don't intrude when other people are spending time with God. You, you need to watch what's going on. Uh, man, if, you're, if your wives have got small children, you know, you need to work especially hard to make a space, to make a time for them to spend with God. You need to take the pressure off them at some stage and say, now listen, this is your time. Go, go, go spend time with God. Because it's impossible with kids pulling out of you and drawing out of you uh, <clears throat> to try and spend that time. You know, <clears throat> but you need to spend that time and we need to be careful of each other. The early Ac- African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in private devotions. Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pour out his heart to God. Over time, the paths to these places became well-worn. As a result... If one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. They would kindly remind the negligent one, Brother, the grass grows on your path. The grass grows on your path. I wonder this morning, is the grass growing on your path? Are you neglecting prayer? Are you neglecting that sacred, special time, that quiet time with him? You know, look, don't beat yourself up over it. Don't let the enemy sit on your shoulder and beat yourself up. You know what? Listen. It's easy. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can make it right like that. You can make it right and listen, sweep back in to that sweet place of prayer. Number four, though, he prayed. <clears throat> and the Greek word is prosukomai, and it means <clears throat> to supplicate, to worship, to pray, to make prayer. Listen, <clears throat> I think you should have a prayer list. I think it's a help to you to keep focused, to have a prayer list of things that you're praying. But I do think this. I think that you shouldn't get so focused on your prayer list that you can't really commune with God. Right? Now, just imagine, if we're, if we're talking about a relationship and you're going to commune with somebody, right? And I come in uh, to you and, you know, and I've got this agenda that I want to get through, you know. Uh, that might, might be okay in a business meeting, you know, well, I need to get through point one, two, three, and 4. But, you know, if I sit down uh, with, with somebody that I care about and I just want to go through the agenda and I'm focused on the agenda, you know what's going to happen? Relationship's going to suffer. The, the fellowship's going to suffer. And sometimes what happens to us is we're focused on our prayer list. And typically, our prayer list is all the things we want. It's all the things that we want that we're looking to, to, to God for. 
And there's nothing wrong with you asking God for things. God wants you to ask him for things. You know, part of the meaning of prayer is the idea of asking. But you're relating to a person. Sometimes the prayer list is going to get put to one side. Sometimes you're going to end up pouring your heart out on one issue on the prayer, on the, on the prayer list. You're just going to end up caught in that place. Sometimes he's going to draw your attention to something else and you're going to spend your time praying about that. Sometimes he's going to deal with you about something. And he's going to, he's going to focus on that and that's what your prayer time is going to be. And that's fine. Don't let's get too rigid. Don't let's get to the place you know, where we have to go through the prayer list. You know, somebody's going to pray for an hour next week uh, <clears throat> during the wee small hours of the night. And listen, we, we have a long, long prayer list that you can spend your time going through. Um, but you know what? Uh, as you're going through the prayer list, it's not a case of you asking into the abyss for whoever's out there to do something. That's not going to be very effective prayer. If you're going to take and pray through your prayer list, you're going to be communing with your Heavenly Father. And you know what? Some of the people on this list are just going to draw your attention to May not be something that you, somebody that you know. He's going to draw your attention. You're going to end up praying about them. Sometimes he's going to have you praying about something that's not even on the prayer list. And, and, and just understand that there's a relationship involved. Prayer is not about uh, going through a list of things. There's a relationship uh, involved in it. And you need to understand that relationship is the key to it. You see, <clears throat> when the relationship is right, answered prayer is just a matter of course. Yes, God's going to make you wait. Yes, God's going to work in you as far as prayers. But when the relationship is right, answered prayer is just a matter of course. It's the, the relationship that's the key to it. Um, Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman once wrote to a friend telling of praying Hyde's influence on him. He'd been holding meetings in England, uh, but the attendance had been disappointingly small. Then he received word that praying Hyde was going to pray down God's blessing upon him and his work. As a result of Hyde's powerful praying, the tide soon turned and the meeting hall became packed with people. At Chapman's first public invitation, 50 men received Christ as their Savior. Relating the story, Chapman said, As as we were leaving, I said, Mr. Hyde, I want you to pray for me. He came to my room, turned the key in the door, and dropped to his knees, and waited five minutes without a single syllable coming from his lips. I could hear my own heart thumping and his beating. I felt hot tears running down my face. I knew I was with God. Then with upturned face, down which the tears were streaming, he said, Oh God. Then for five minutes at least, he was still again. And then when he knew that he was talking with God, there came from the depths of his heart such petitions for me as I have never heard before. I rose from my knees to know what real prayer was. It's relationship. It's relationship with your Father who loves you. That's the, the, the source. That's the, the, <clears throat> the key to prayer. You see, Jesus wasn't coming out here to ask God for a whole bunch of things that he needed. Jesus was going to a solitary place to communicate with his Father. And you know what? When you're communicating in five minutes, you can pray through a whole prayer list and know what's been heard. But don't let's just be of the idea that you know praying is just me rushing into the room, getting on my knees, going through the list, 
and walking away again. You have to make contact. You have to communicate. There has to be the reality of that relationship. And please, don't make it a burdensome thing. Don't make it a, I feel like a loser because I haven't got a thing. Nobody has it. Praying hide wasn't a great prayer. Praying hide was a man that knew God. And because he knew God, God touched his life and the life of many others through prayer. Don't make it something of you because you'll never get there, but he can bring you there. He can draw you to that place. Um, They say that John Knox, as he was about to die, um, in his weakness, he had his wife read to him from John chapter 17, the Lord's Prayer, and then he began to pray. And he began to intercede for people around him. And such sweet prayer flowed from his lips. And in the midst of it all, he passed into the presence of the Lord. See, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with him. Um, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, received direction. Look at look Mark chapter 1, verse 38. And again, we're looking at the Lord here, so it's kind of hard to think of him receiving direction from the Father. Uh, but in verse 38, it says this, uh, because the disciples come looking for him. You know, everybody's everybody's just screaming. You know, uh, he's done so much the previous day. Bring him back. We want to see more. We want to hear more. We, we want to see him do more. Um, in verse 37, when they had found him, they said, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next town that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ didn't go back where, to, to where he had been. He moved on. And the Father moved him on. And you know, listen, he was about his Father's business. And one of the things he received through prayers, he received direction for what he was supposed to do. Do, do you know one of the reasons why we fail? One of the reasons why we fail is because we don't take time to get direction. We don't take time to find out what it is that our Father wants us. Sometimes, you know, listen, it comes across as a good idea. We jump the gun and we go and do it. And, and we don't come to the place where we're really taking time to let the Father show, it, show us what it is that he would have us to do. Um, also, um, he received power. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ in his communion with the Father, and again, as an example to us, uh, he received power. Uh, everywhere he went, there was power that flowed from him. But everywhere he went, there was prayer. Everywhere he went, uh, he was praying. Uh, Wilbur Chapman again says, uh, how important is faithfulness in prayer? Uh, He often told of these experiences when as a young man, he went to be, his experience as a young man when he went to become pastor of a small church in Philadelphia. After his first sermon, an old man said to him, you're pretty young to be pastor of this church. That's encouraging, isn't it? Uh, You're pretty young to be the pastor of this church, uh, but you preach the gospel and I'm going to help you all I can. Uh, Dr. Chapman thought, here's a crank. But the man continued, I'm going to pray for you that you may have the Holy Spirit's power upon you. Two others have covenanted to join with me in prayer for you. Dr. Chapman said, I didn't feel as bad when I learned he was going to pray for me. The three became 10, the 10 became 20, and the 20 became 50, and the 50 became 200, who met before every service to pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon me. I always went into my pulpit feeling that I would have the anointing in answer to the prayers of those who had faithfully prayed for me. 
It was a joy to preach. The result was that we received 1,100 into our church by conversion in three years, 600 of whom were men. It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit in answer to prayer. You see, <clears throat> prayer is the power for the work that we want to see done. Prayer is the power for reaching out to people with the gospel. Prayer is what's going to actually see it happen. Uh, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Queen Mary of England said that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than she feared all the armies of Europe. <clears throat> and she feared his praying. That was the one thing uh, she didn't have any control over. You know, <clears throat> praying counts. It's huge. It's important. We've taken this time this week to, to spend time in prayer, and we're looking to the Lord to save souls. And we're going to have a prayer, a 24-hour prayer chain. Listen, we're looking to God to do something. We're not just talking about <clears throat> hoping something will happen here. We're looking to God to actually do something. But <clears throat> the something that's going to happen is going to happen because we pray. Right? <clears throat> Um, the something that's going to happen is going to happen in answer to prayer. God's going to do it. But it's going to happen in answer to prayer. And we need to hone in on our prayer life this week. We need to focus on where we're going as far as this prayer meeting at the end of the week is concerned. You know, listen, it can be a huge impetus to the work of the church. It can see some of your lost loved ones saved. We ought to be expecting that God's going to do that. Right? Now, let me give you some things that <clears throat> you can ask God for in, in for prayer. Uh, ask God for in prayer this week uh, for these lost loved ones. You might want to write these down. Right? <clears throat> There's some things that you can ask the Lord uh, to do. Uh, first of all, let me say this. It's God's will that they be saved. So God is willing that they be saved. Right? <clears throat> you're willing, obviously, because you're the intercessor. You're crying out for them to be saved. You're willing. The only thing that we lack is them to be willing as well. That's all we're looking for. We're looking for God to move in their hearts. We're looking for God to deal with them. We want them to be willing as well. We want God to work in their hearts. So let me give you five scriptural things that I believe you can pray for lost people. <clears throat> right? Um, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, uh, it says that the enemy has blinded the minds of those which believe not. One of the big reasons why your lost loved ones won't hear the gospel is because they're blind. And when you're blind, you just can't see. You know what? The enemy blinded them. We need God to open their eyes. Let's pray for God to open their eyes, for God to let them see. The gospel is the sweetest message that a man has ever heard. It is the sweetest, most glorious thing any man has ever heard. Lord, open their eyes to see it. Do you know that your lost loved ones are not rejecting the gospel? For the most part, it's a rare person that's able to reject the gospel and they've truly heard and understand it. What they're doing is they don't see it. Lord, open their eyes. Ask the Lord to open their eyes. <clears throat> Secondly, you can pray for God to... Uh, to open the snare, uh, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him as well. That's Second Timothy chapter 2. You know that they are caught in a snare, they are caught in a trap, and they can't free themselves. You know, when you're caught in a trap, you don't have the power to actually free yourself. They don't have the power to free themselves. 
they don't even know they're caught in a trap. Oftentimes, the, the, the trap they're caught in is, you know, is some lie that they've imbibed along the way. They, they may have taken the idea of evolution, and they've bought into the lie so that the lie is huge for them, and they're caught in that lie, so they don't even realize there is a God they have to answer to. So that when it comes to it, listen, they can't see, and they're caught in a snare. Lord, open the snare. Lord, let them free. Let them see, Lord. Open, uh, open their eyes and let them see. John 16 and verse 8, the Holy Spirit was sent to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I was going to say that you have an ally when it comes to seeing your lost loved ones saved, but, you know, that's not really the case. Um, you're his ally. You know, he's not on your payroll. He's about the work of wanting to reach them too. But you know what? As you pray and as you seek God and as you ask God to reprove them, to show them their sin. Listen, I can remember <clears throat> looking at my sin and thinking, well, what's the problem with that? I can remember, you know, listen, seeing it and, and not care. But when the Holy Spirit took that sword of the Spirit and pierced me with it, all of a sudden, telling a lie was a dreadful thing that was going to send me to hell. That's the Spirit of God working. Nobody gets saved apart from the Spirit of God working. Nobody gets saved apart from his work in their hearts and in their life. And <clears throat> what we need is we need to pray for the Spirit of God to convince them. <clears throat> then we need to pray, Lord, reveal yourself to them. In John chapter uh, 17, verse 3, it says that they may know you. Um, let me read it for you because I'm, I'm not going to get the full import of it there. John 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We're going to pray, Lord, would you reveal yourself to them? Let them see you. You know what? When they see Jesus, you don't have to beat them into the kingdom. When, the, when you see Jesus, you get drawn in. You get sucked in. You know, <clears throat> listen, Jesus is sweet. Jesus is compelling. When you see him, you get drawn in. And number five, <clears throat> Lord, show them your love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know what? They need to see God's love. They need to, they, they need to see how much God loves them. They need to see his heart and his passion and his love. Lord, show them your love. Lord, help them to understand your love. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays for the believers. He prays if, that, if we, that if we would understand the love of the Father, that, that we would know the fullness of God. And when it comes to lost people, Lord, show them your love. You see, we get frustrated, bothered, discouraged, fed up. And we, we, we've told these people and we've told these people and we've told these people. But you know what? As much as we've told them, they've never seen me. They don't know. They're blind. They're snared. They need conviction. They need to see Jesus. And they need to see his love. And you know what? When somebody sees those things, they just want it. They want the gospel. So, so let's this week, let's get our hearts ready. Let's, 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 <clears throat> let's be a holy people. Let's walk on holy ground. Let's walk softly this week. 
Let's ask the Lord to deal with us and to prepare us so that when we come to this prayer meeting and it starts on, on, um, <clears throat> on, on Friday at 4 o'clock, let's be in the place where, listen, our hearts are tuned in and our hearts are ready and we're ready to commune with our Heavenly Father because we've been communing with Him coming up to Him. And let's cry out to Him and expect Him to do miracles because there is no greater miracle than somebody getting saved. Some of you have a lost loved one and they've spurned and rejected and stood against. And listen, God's about to save them. God's about to do that work. And you have a part of it in prayer, and we have a part of it in prayer. Well, let's be praying for each other. Let's be looking to the Lord, and let's be asking God to do something great, to let, let us see people saved. You know, you know, Jer Parker got saved during a 24-hour prayer chain. We were praying, and she was getting saved. You know, listen, God will do that. We'll see things like that happen. But we need to look to this thing. It's not about us, you know, getting in woodenly, <clears throat> you know, staying up for an hour during the middle of the night so that we can show God how great we are and how good we are and doing the business as far as praying. It's about us communing with our Heavenly Father and crying out with hearts to Him and asking them to open their eyes, to open the snare, to, con- uh, to convince them of their sin, to <clears throat> reveal Himself to them, to show them His love and just watching what's going to happen. Because God will move in answer to prayer. You see, this is his will. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He told us. Folks, we're not willing. We're just looking for them to get willing. What's standing between us and them getting willing is the enemy. And let's pray that God stands in between them and the enemy and so that they can see and let's watch what God's going to do. All right? <clears throat> but let's focus on it for this week, and let's look to the Lord to do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you bless us, Lord? We thank you for your word to us. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the blessing that we can enjoy through prayer. Lord, would you move in hearts and lives in this coming days? And Lord, would you uh, let it be, Lord, uh, that we see a rise uh, in the sweet relationship we have with you, and that when it comes to Friday, Lord, there's just that joy in spending time in your presence. And Lord, we'll look to you and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name.